Hello, 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 and welcome back to yet another episode of absolutely nobody's favorite podcast, Annoying Question Boy. Uh, I am your host, Josh. Uh, If it's your first time tuning in, thanks. Uh, Welcome to the shit show. Uh, If you hear like a slight humming in the background or something like that, maybe cars passing by, uh, I am driving. Unfortunately, because capitalism exists and so bills exist, uh, I have to work seven days a week. Um, So I get to record in my car on the way to work. Um, If this is going to bother you, uh, I apologize. There's many more episodes I did a few months back that don't have this problem. uh, And hopefully this won't be the case soon. Uh, But even still, if you can get past this... uh, got a, you know, an episode ready for you if you're willing to deal with that. So if you don't know, um, which I would assume that some of you might not, um, I am in the process and I actually just finished editing, um, my book, which is titled, uh, Liberation is Irresistible. Uh, I, uh, I did an episode a while back talking about it, kind of in depth. Um, I'm going to go over it again right now in a second here um, because the message has kind of changed a little bit as I've progressed over the last few months um, in my knowledge and understanding of things. Um, So the the message, you know, wholeheartedly has kind of changed. Well, I guess that's not true. It hasn't wholeheartedly changed. the, the intentionality that I'm putting forth has changed. Um, so, yeah, uh, the book is titled um, Liberation is Irresistible. And that uh, title came from a, well, it, it, I heard it because I was listening to an episode of Guerrilla History, a podcast with... Uh, um, Oh, fuck, I forgot. Uh, Adnan Hussein, uh, Brett O'Shea, and I cannot remember for the life of me who the third co-host is. Uh, So my apologies to you, friend. Um, But they did an episode with uh, Vijay Prashad, who is a huge inspiration for me, has taught me a lot. Um, And they're talking about his book, Washington Bullets. And uh, he cites this UN resolution, UN Resolution 1514, um, wherein uh, it's a resolution from 1960, which is granting independence to uh, formerly colonized nations. And so in there, it says, uh, it's talking about something else. I don't remember what, because it's in the middle of a sentence, but it says, Liberation is irresistible and irreversible. Um, and Vijay Prashad brought this up in this episode of Guerrilla History, and it, that really struck me. And since I was in the process of reading Washington Bullets, and I have since finished it, um, I see that this message is uh, wholly on um, Vijay's mind in the writing of Washington Bullets. Um, if you don't know, Washington Bullets by Vijay Prashad is an amazing book, which I feel everybody should read um, if you're interested in these things, of course. Um, but it's about the United States' um, involvement in putting down 
liberation movements from really the 1930s to now. Um, Even still to today, we know for a fact that the United States is actively involved in putting down liberation movements. You saw it uh, this past, uh, or a year ago now, in Bolivia, and around the same time you saw an attempted coup in Venezuela, you saw problems in um, Chile, uh, and there's a long, long history of this involvement from the United States and the rest of the imperialist bloc in the global south, uh, but especially also uh, South America. Um, And this is something that is, you know, close to my heart, Uh, my girlfriend and her family are Brazilian, uh, and they take a lot of pride in that. Uh, and so growing up, or, well, yeah, I mean, not for nothing, I've been dating my girlfriend now since I was 15 for six and a half years almost. Uh, so, the, you know, it, it's, it's a strong message to me, not only just because of, you know, really my political ideology, but also just because, like, I developed this political ideology from becoming close with someone who, you know, has this background because, you know, I grew up very privileged, very white. Uh, I'm a Protestant kid from central New York. There isn't fucking dick all of culture around here. So, like, very close-minded, although for my family, I was not as close-minded, but that is the the culture I grew up in. Um, So, you know, dating her is really, along with a lot of other uh, monumentous moments in my life, um, it it has really led me down this path to where I am today. So that, you know, is it really hit home with me. So I read Washington Bullets by Vijay Prashad. And then another book that I read, which really inspired me to want to write this book, is uh, Our History is the Future by Nick Estes. And I think, quite honestly, in that book, Nick Estes um, does a wonderful job of explaining dialectics. Um, I, I don't you know, no one way or another. I would assume this was intentional. Nick S. This is an incredible writer, very intelligent uh, person. And so I would assume that this would have been intentional, but I can't say, you know, one way or another if it was. But he does a great job of explaining dialectics. And so you should know in the last three months or so, I have gone from what I would call probably a <clears throat> left leaning. Uh, I don't want to call myself liberal, although a lot of my political ideologies were pretty liberal a, a few months ago. Um, I have gone from that to, you know, whatever that was, to wholeheartedly um, a, a functioning, you know, working knowledge having uh, Marxist. Uh, that's what I'll call myself a communist if you want to you know, zoom out a little bit more to not get so specific that, you know, I get canceled, um, or shot. Um, so basically my whole message in the book is liberation is 100% necessary for any structural or systematic or sustainable change to be placed within 
you know, any country all over the world um, that will succeed. Um, We know this to be true because look at places like the USSR, China, other, you know, actively um, socialist states, scientific socialist states who face a, you know, myriad of fucking problems because of capitalist hegemony over the world. Um, And so we, we have to understand that we cannot simply just make socialist states and then say, okay, socialism is won now. You know, we're socialists now. As soon as you become a socialist state, you have now put a target on your head if there wasn't already one there. And so my message is that, you know, liberation, people's liberation is 100% necessary to see uh, any kind of change which will be able to be sustained. Um, and more than that, progressed, you know, because I, I feel that in, in my uh, learning process these last couple of months, I've encountered a lot of people who really have this picture of, you know, what they want in society, what they think will be the best for society, what will help people the best. And yet, it seems as if they've just simply taken their hand and reached into a bag full of different ideological um, names and just pulled out two, combined them, threw a hyphen in the middle and said, this is what I am. And that's not a condemnation of anyone. I do that shit because I don't know what I am. Um, Very easy because for some reason we're always asked what are you if you support anything other than the status quo? You know what I mean? Nobody asks, well, I guess we ask people, are you a Democrat or a Republican? But nobody asks you, are, are you, a, 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 I guess a capitalist would be a stupid term to ask. Ignore this part. I'm stoned. Um, uh, as a parody, of course. Um, but so my message is that we cannot simply have these national liberation movements, uh, which instate, you know, some form of socialism, uh, whether that be whatever kind of socialism, that is a stupid discourse and I won't involve myself in it. Um, but any, any kind of, um, any kind of socialism that is implemented across, uh, simply a nation, um, with the intention of just solely having that nation be a socialist nation, um, it, it does not seek to achieve actual sustainable change. And I know that this might be quite the accusation, um, but the problem becomes that once you instate yourself uh, as a, you know, a national liberation movement, you have to understand that once you achieve that, there is a, now a new level which you have to go to. You know, once you achieve national liberation, once you achieve, you know, a, a people's nation, well, now you have to understand that, you again, you have targets on your head which you have to really reckon with. Um, but also... Um, Oh, fuck. I don't know where I'm going. There's a fucking detour. Sorry. Um, 
but you have to reckon with the fact that nothing has truly been fixed. Nothing has been solved. You are now a socialist state, but you still exist in a world which is controlled by capitalist hegemon- hegemony. Why can't I speak? Um, and so you, you, know, you can be socialist, but not only do you have a target on your head, but now you also have to realize that nothing has been solved. You know, just because you're a socialist country, well, you still have to participate in capitalism in order to feed your people. You still have to be, quote-unquote, state capitalist in order to get medical supplies for your country. Otherwise, the United States will place sanctions on you and any country which would dare trade with you and murder millions of people in the process Fuck the United States and any country which would dare put sanctions on countries such as Venezuela, as Iran, as Palestine, as India, in the middle of a global fucking pandemic. That is an act of terrorism. That is a wholehearted imperialist move that has and continues to murder people. We can only stand in opposition to United States sanctions as leftists. We cannot in any way, shape, or form support United States imperialism. So now that I've made that clear, um, that's kind of the line that my book takes. And the point, the argument that I'm putting forward is that the only way that that can be achieved structurally to a point which can be sustained and upheld is through a true people's liberation, an internationalist movement. Marx and Engels were calling for this uh, before and during the period of the First International. Um, Some might claim that the Second, Third, and now the Fourth International intend to do the same. I would argue that this is not the case, but that is besides the point. Where the fuck am I? Dude, what the fuck? That's Clinton, so I want to go this way. Where the fuck is... Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Sorry, I'm having a moment right now. Um, so we can only achieve that through a true internationalist movement. And that is not, be, not, not out of any choice that I am making, not out of any, you know, interests that I have in that, but simply because if we actually intend to change things, we have to understand that these things are interdependent on the existence of everything outside of ourselves. You know, when Venezuela becomes socialist, that causes... Uh, you know, real implications both for Venezuela and those other than Venezuela. Um, And so that has to be recognized, it has to be acknowledged, and it has to be studied in its truth and understand now how to, you know, learn from this and how to better our movement because of this. So I myself intend to see a true people's liberation movement. And that is because that is the only way that we can achieve communism. 
And I believe that communism is the only system which will lead to a truly peaceful, truly harmonious, and truly equal and just and free and, you know, I'm using this word to mean having liberties, liberal society, not liberal political affiliation um, with liberties. I, th- I think through my studies that this is the only way that we can achieve this goal of true freedom. Um, I don't really dive into it as much as I would like to just because of, you know, simple time. But I, uh, I, have, uh, I have a vendetta against liberals and I have a vendetta against the Enlightenment thinkers and, you know, the founding fathers and really the ideals of the United States as a, as a founded nation. Um, because really, um, they do not support themselves, you know. You can look at the ideas of someone like Thomas Hobbes, John Locke, uh, Thomas Jefferson, um, all of these people, and sure, do they got some great ideas? Yeah. Marx himself borrowed from a lot of these people in some extent, you know, really, to some extent, he read them, he was influenced by them, uh, he used some of Adam Smith to influence his understandings of uh, Das Kapital, um, because that is what philosophy is supposed to be. That is what, you know, theory is supposed to be. You can't just simply deny things because you don't like them. Uh, you know, these ideas become ideas because they have to make an understanding of their surrounding. And so to dismiss them simply because you don't like them is a ridiculous notion because you have just pigeonholed yourself. You have just handicapped yourself because now you have less information to work with and that's in my opinion stupid um you can say whatever you want you can have your opinions whatever but that doesn't mean oh just forget everything that i don't agree with because that's stupid plain and simple that's stupid i'm gonna say it um so yeah my my book really talks about that and i i i got off topic But what I was saying a while back, just to finish this thought, because some people might have wanted to hear this, Nick Estes does a really good job of explaining dialectics in his book, Our History is the Future, which I, you know, read and influenced my book, because he talks about uh, his relatives. And what I mean is he talks about the buffalo herds in the plains of America, and he talks about the water Um, which has sustained life for indigenous peoples all over the world, uh, but, you know, more centrally in America, because that's kind of really where he's talking about to some extent. Um, But, uh, and he talks about them in in a way which I had never heard before, which is very upsetting, because as I say in my book, I grew up right by Oneida, New York, which is the Oneida Nation. Um, And yet I know so little about indigenous culture, indigenous theory, um, indigenous, you know, history. And I wanted to be a history teacher who grew up right here and I had no knowledge of this shit. So I I took, you know, a personal uh, hit with that and I spent a lot of time uh, reading about uh, indigenous people's history, not only just in America, but all over the world. 
uh, which I am actively still doing right now. Um, I still have yet to finish Nick's book. Um, I believe I have two, uh, I think it's like two chapters left, maybe. Um, I don't know off the top of my head, but I have a little while to read. But even still, um, it's actively influencing me even without having finished this book completely, you know. But he does a great job of explaining dialectics in this way because I think intentionally or unintentionally he shows the relation between indigenous people, the herds of buffalo, the land, the water, and how that all connected to one another blossomed life and how it supported life and how they were able to support themselves for thousands of years. You know, indigenous nations have existed for thousands of years on almost every continent. Um, And so it, it goes without saying that they probably had something figured out. And so that right there was my introduction to dialectics. And it really helped me since then to understand dialectics as this interconnected, you know, web of things. Uh, more on that another time. I did an episode about dialectics. If you want to go back, I think it's called uh, Why is History Important? Uh, where I really go into depth about dialectics for those of us who don't really understand it because I still don't really fully understand it. Um, but so the final point that I make in my book is that, you know, well, not the final point, but really the, the, the central, like, interwoven point is the importance of history. You know, why is history important? Because, as I say in my book, um, there's so much to be learned from it. There is so much to be um, taken from it and used to evolve our understanding of the world that we live in today. You know, um, the United States today is wholeheartedly influenced both by the United States of yesterday and the world of yesterday. And the United States today is definitely going to be an influence on the United States of tomorrow and the rest of the world uh, as of tomorrow. Um, And so if we don't understand this relationship, if we don't understand this importance of history, we can't expect to implement any kind of change which is going to be uh, sustainable because we're going to fall victim to what is called revisionism or more broadly our own self-interests um, because we you know have this inclination especially as Americans or I guess especially as privileged imperialist block uh, citizenry we have this inclination to go for our interests because so much of our you know reality is constructed with this individualist mindset. But this is plain and simply ridiculous because not for nothing, we are not individuals. We exist in communities. We live in communities. We live in societies. Wow, we, we live in a society. How woke, right? But it's true. And yet we are told our whole life that the most important thing, the thing that we should be most grateful for in America is our individual rights. And that is a ridiculous concept because we do not live as individuals. We do not exist as individuals. We are wholeheartedly connected to one another in the most deepest of ways possible. Um, And history can show this. And history can teach us 
not to just simply be subject to this truth, but how to master it. Because my main argument, like I said, is the necessity for communism, the necessity for uh, scientific socialism to make its way to the entire world. Because if you are to understand anything about any government which exists in the world for the most part right now, other than the few active scientific socialist states, which I'm not getting into an argument about what makes them you know, good or bad or socialist or not socialist. That's a ridiculous discourse. Um, but... Oh, geez, I think I lost my train of thought. Oh... Oh, it's stupid to, you know, be concerned with individuality because we simply don't live as individuals. Not to say that individuals' interests, needs, wants, existence, you know, uh, minds, bodies are not important or, you know, don't hold any value or any, you know, inherent right to being. But that is not the central point of living in a society. Because if you just teach people who live in a society that the most important thing is, you know, your own individual rights, gee, it's no wonder that we grow up in a greedy, selfish, self-interested, awful world. Wow, who could have who seen that coming, you know? And so that's also a point that I make, that this individualism is, a, you know, a ridiculous concept to uphold. And it, it is the central point to all of the Enlightenment thinkers, all of liberal thinkers, because liberalism, and if you, you know, disagree with me on this, that's fine, but I would argue that you need to look at history and prove me wrong, because first and foremost, I was going to be a history teacher. I spend a lot of time uh, learning about the history of places before I understand their politics or their ideology, um, because that's just in, you know, that's just how one can understand things. I'm no better than anyone for it. Um, I have an interest in history, so it makes it easier for me. I know history is boring and some people don't want to read it, but it makes it so much easier to understand these things. Um, and it gives us a, a, a clear concept for these things. Um, and if you look at history, you can, you can see that liberal thinkers were, it was an ideology to justify the, the, the bourgeois leadership of the time um, in a lot of places to uphold feudalism, uh, 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 aristocracies, monarchies, you know. Um, but in a lot of other places like France, um, well, I guess that would still be a, an, an aristocracy or an oligarchy, I guess, if you want to. I, I, whatever it is, it was, you know, still bourgeois. It's to uphold still the system wherein there's an oppressor and the oppressed. You know, there's still class struggle. There's still the haves and the have-nots. Um, and so that ideology, liberal ideology, um, came from a, a historical period of time where that was, you know, the centrally held status quo. The same way that now the status quo is uh, democracy like America. That's the status quo, is liberal representative government. The same way before it was, you know, these um, bourgeois, uh, aristocratic, oligarchical, whatever you want to call them, um, 
governments. And so it, it's only natural that these thoughts justified these things because that, that was the epoch and the understandings which they were working with. This is not to say that John Locke, Thomas Hobbes, and Thomas Jefferson and thinkers like them were just evil, awful people. They were, and I think that they all are burning and rotting in hell, which really makes me happy. Um, but I don't think that they necessarily, you know, did it with malice. You know, they, it, you can't prove one way or another to say that they did it with evil intentions. And so to, you know, engage in that conversation is stupid. But they did, you know, uphold and justify evil and fucking awful things, whether it's intentional or non-intentional. And so we have to recognize that about the, the liberal... The liberalism which exists here in America, which upholds things like imperialism um, uh, and capitalism. Uh, and so that's my book, you know. Uh, if you have any interest in reading it, uh, I'm hoping to be able to publish it sometime soon. If you have any interest in giving me money to help me publish it, I don't know if I can get a publishing house to publish it. So I might need to publish it myself. Uh I'll set up uh, a GoFundMe or a Patreon or whatever. Just, you know, let me know. Uh, and I would really appreciate it. And I will dedicate uh, the book to you. And I will, you know, plug whatever you want in the description of every episode from here on out. Uh, that's me, you know, begging. Uh, you don't have to. And I'm not expecting anything. But I'm just saying sometimes people do shit like that. So that's what I would like. Um, but if you have any interest in reading it, I'm probably also going to just publish it as a free PDF um, uh, on, like, Abstract or something like that. Um, because I feel that it's, you know, I, I, I bought myself, like, 10, 15 books in the last month, and they're all, like, $30 a piece, and it's fucking ridiculous. You know, I, I don't have $30 to spend on a fucking book. I don't. I'm working seven days a week so I can afford my bills. You think I got $30 to throw out a book? No. And I'm not blaming anyone for it. People got to make their money. I'm going to publish mine and I'm probably going to price it at like more than what it's really worth, you know? But that's just because I'm fucking poor, guys. I need to feed myself, you know? Sorry. Capitalism is a bitch. Um, but yeah, if you have any interest in reading that, be on the lookout for that. I'll probably publish it as a PDF maybe in the new year. Um, uh, and so if you have any interest in reading that, be on the lookout for that. Uh, if you're still listening to this, thank you very much. I appreciate you. I love you. Um, and I am very thankful for you. Uh, I hope that everyone has a lovely holidays. Um, I hope that everybody is able to enjoy some kind of peace and happiness during these awful, awful times that we're all experiencing. Uh, If you want to check out more of my work, uh, I have a bunch of podcasts you can listen to, uh, some of which don't have my car running in the background, so that's nice. Um, Also, uh, I have a blog, which you can check out. It's uh, annoyingquestionboy.blogspot.com. Dot com spelled just like that no caps no spaces um, and I usually post a blog a day um, some of them are really ranty and not that great I'll admit it first um, so you know take that as a, a, a forewarning um, I also uh, you know I hope to kind of get further into organizing so if you have any interest in that go ahead and hit me up 
Uh, I need friends, <laughs> too, also. Um, yeah, find me on social media at Annoying Question Boy on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, my Twitter handle is at capital A, annoying, capital Q, U, E, S, T, I, number one. Um, because I couldn't do Annoying Question Boy because someone else had it. So, yeah, uh, thanks for listening. I hope everybody has a lovely rest of your day. I hope everybody stays safe. Um, Finally, I would like to say wholeheartedly I stand in solidarity with uh, the farmers uh, in India as well as in Peru. I also stand with the Palestinians. I stand with the Bolivian and Bolivarian people. I stand with all struggling people um, across this nation, and I feel that we as communists or leftists in general need to wholeheartedly show our support for these people because they are so awfully manipulated throughout our media uh, that we need to have a a counter uh, narrative. We really do. So I would like to say that. And I would also like to say that... uh, Everybody should hate police. Just do it. You know, just give it up, guys. They suck. They smell. They fart and shit in their pants just like Caitlin Bennett. And they're all little duty heads. So let's all laugh at them and point at them. Ha ha ha, stupid duty head policeman. Okay, now that I did that, everybody have a good day. Bye!